Well, if you will, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to finish out this passage of Scripture that we've been preaching through for the last several weeks, verses 1 through 7. We're going to be looking today primarily at the role of husbands in the church. It seems like the Apostle Peter spends six verses on wives here, and wives don't read anything into that other than it just he wanted to really expand on the beauty of the wife and her role in the marriage. Because it is the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 that actually spends more time on the husbands than he does on the wives. So it's not any indication. We can't read anything into this other than it just, this is how the apostles wrote. But if you'll stand with me, we're going to read one more time, verses 1 through 7, but we're going to focus primarily on verse 7 today about the role of the husbands. If you can, let us stand in reverence for the reading of God's word. The Apostle Peter begins in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we give you praise for guiding us through your word. And for the last several weeks, we have been focused on these texts about what the role of the marriage, the Christian marriage, is not just in the family, but, Lord, more importantly, the role of the Christian marriage in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is hostile to that message. I pray, God, that you would remind us exactly our purpose as your church. It is not to somehow fix our everyday problems, but instead it is to bring you glory. And for that, God, I pray you would remind us that that is the meaning of your text. That the role of the family is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear it. And we are blessed to be used by you for that purpose. And so this morning, God, I pray that you'd speak boldly to us as we speak directly to the husbands. You have given us a responsibility, a role to play. And it is a burden that is often too heavy for us to bear. But in the, but in Christ, in his strength and in his power, we can do that. So teach us this morning, God, we pray. Love us where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. It is interesting that Peter here closes out this small passage of 
scripture to the family, to the husband and the wife, of just one verse to the husband. But there's a lot here in verse 7 that I want us to really understand, husbands. It seems like in my generation, and in recent years especially, it seems like the men are the ones who are told how we are not living up to our responsibilities as husbands in the home. It seems to me that's the common theme, not just in the churches when when these passages of Scripture are taught, but also in our society with the rise of the hashtag MeToo movement. It seems like much that men are doing is, all that is they are doing wrong is finally coming to light in many ways, and it needs to be men who are not loving and who do not respect women in their lives need to be held accountable. At the same time, we need to be cautious and remember that men do have a responsibility according to God's word that is different from women. Women are to love their husbands and be subject to them, not out out of being an object that the husbands control, but out of respect to the love of their husband. Verses 1 through 6 of 1 Peter chapter 3 really drives this point home to the women. If you are married and you are a Christian wife, then your duty to your husband is to obey God's word by loving him with a respectful and pure conduct. Men are to love their wives in return. In verse 7, when he begins, verse 7 with the word likewise, it's as if the husbands are to love their wives in the same way. Likewise, husbands, in other words, likewise, husbands, love your wives with respect and cherish them with their beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Respect that in your wife. Cherish her and honor honor her. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, what is Peter trying to get us to see here? There are three things that men are actually commanded to do here. And it's not that God is giving men a to-do list that they must check off in order to earn God's favor. But this is the expectation of the, of the husband to the wife. There are three main things that the husband is supposed to reflect here of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Husbands who obey God's word, they obey God's word by reflecting Christ in obedience to the Lord. As Jesus Christ obeyed his father and and sacrificed himself for the church, likewise, husbands, were to do the same thing. You look at the data for the lifespan of men and women, there is a reason why men traditionally pass away before the women. Whenever we think of a widow, women, you lose your husbands often long before Husbands lose their wives to death. There's a reason for this. Men, we are the ones on the front line taking all of the pressure of living in this sinful fallen world off of our wives and off of our children. We carry that burden so that they do not have to. Can we say an amen? There's a reason why men's shoulders are stronger. Because we have a heavier burden to carry in this broken world because God has set it up this way. 
Men are to obey God's commands by reflecting Christ's obedience in three ways. Number one, we are to be considerate of our wives, to give them consideration. Number two, we are to be chivalrous toward them. This is an idea that is not very common anymore. Matter of fact, if a man is trying to be chivalrous toward his wife, he is seen in many situations as demeaning her because, oh, she's so weak. You can't, you, you can't treat that woman less than that. But actually, to treat a woman with chivalry, guys, is one of the greatest things that we can do to show respect. The third thing is to bring companionship to the wife. Marriage is two people becoming one in Christ. And so the husband, again, is to consider his wife. He's supposed to love and cherish her through chivalry. And he is to be her companion for her rest of her life. Let's take a look at what Peter has to say here in verse 7. He says here, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. What does that mean to understand our wives? Has any husband ever fully sacked, fully figured that out yet? You can't, you haven't figured us out either, have you? I, I, whenever I have the privilege of being around a group of women who are talking and fellowshipping and enjoying each other, ladies, the number one thing you're talking about are your husbands. Or you're talking about your sons, if you are, if you have sons. And, and the discussion that the ladies have is, I don't understand why my three-year-old son is behaving the way he's behaving. It's because he's not a girl. Why is my husband not as sensitive? Why does my husband not see this? Why does my husband not? It's because your husband is not a woman. Men, we do the same thing. When we get together, we, we would laugh about our wives. We laugh about different things in our families, and we do so because we're frustrated because we have such this burden to carry. And why is it that God says, husbands, live with your wives in understanding? This is what we're called to do. We can joke about it. We can laugh about it. And that's part of being married, isn't it? We laugh and joke about this relationship that God has designed between two totally opposite creatures. That somehow God, in his love and his mercy, harmonizes into a relationship that the rest of the world sees as beautiful. That's kind of the the irony here of what God has done. But this is what he's called us to do. So men, live with your wives in an understanding way. What does this mean? To understand our wives requires one to be considerate of our spouse. To live with understanding means to dwell with. Right? It's more than just living in the same house together. But what does this mean to understand? It means it requires one to be considerate of the other. And, and Peter here uses this language directly to the husbands. Husbands, we are commanded by God's word to understand our wives. And this means that we must be considerate of our wife. That means we must be sensitive to her deepest physical needs. And we must be sensitive to her deepest emotional needs. Is that some of the frustration, ladies, that you have with your husband, that he doesn't understand you? Men, we do look at the world differently, but we are called by God to consider our wives in understanding them and being sensitive to what they need. Isn't it a wonderful thing, ladies, when your husband does something for you without you asking him to do it, and he does exactly what you wanted him to do? One of the frustrations I do have, I hear from women who are married, 
as a pastor, I hear a lot of these things. One of the biggest frustrations women have is that their husbands didn't do a particular task. And the husband's response is, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that task because you didn't say anything to me about it. But her response is, but you're supposed to know that you're supposed to do that task. Man, we are called to know things without verbal expression. And honestly, let's be honest. There, ladies, please give us some give us some grace here. We don't think the same way you do. But the other thing is too. Sometimes we're afraid to do the dishes, or we're afraid to do some yard work, or we're afraid to do some things because you may not want us to, and we're waiting for your permission to do that. So if you'll just grant us permission, that helps us understand what you're wanting. And over time, honestly, as two people are married, the more they're married, the more they understand each other. You know, that that first few years of marriage, that is a time where a husband and a wife are learning each other. You've come from two totally different families. You've come from two totally different ways of doing things, not to mention you're two totally different creatures. And the beauty of marriage is that over time you do start to understand each other without verbal communication. You get to learn each other's quirks and you get to learn each other's habits and wants and needs. And it's a beautiful thing when a husband loves his wife in an understanding way and understands everything that she desires and everything that she needs, and he does it without her asking. That's a beautiful thing. But ladies, please give us grace, at least in the first few years of marriage, or if you move to a new house or things change in your life and you have a new season of life, it might require a little verbal communication. You tell a husband, he'll hear you. He'll get it. You got it. Okay? But men, we must understand our wives' deepest needs and emotional needs, honestly, without having her to tell us. That is what Peter is telling us we must do. Number two, to live with here also implies living in means of intimacy, right? To live with our wives in an understanding way means that we live with her in intimacy and in a state of cherishing her. Ladies, would you agree that's what she really desires to be cherished? To be more important to your husband than anything else? Guys, if our wives are not more important than other things, then God is calling us to account here. To live with our wives, to dwell with her, means that we love her more than anything else. But this also means that Christian husbands, in living together in intimacy with our wives, means that we are living with her in a way that we are nourishing her in the ways of Christ. What does the word husband mean? It comes from a term of husbandry, which is actually applied to agriculture. It can also be applied to raising of animals. The act of husbandry means to nourish the garden, nourish what you're trying to grow, nourish the animals that are in your farmyard. That's the act of husbandry. Guys, you realize that that is our role toward our wives as husbands? We are there called by God to nourish her. We nourish her spiritual needs. We nourish her physical needs. We nourish her in the ways of Christ. That's our responsibility. Do you all understand what that word husband means? That's what we're called to do. And this happens in this living with our wives and understanding, living with her in a way of intimacy and understanding. Now, 
Because Peter only gives us one verse here to the husbands in 1 Peter chapter 3, we must still go to uh, the Apostle Paul's account in Ephesians chapter 5. If you'll turn over there, I want to kind of compare these two passages a little bit today. So Ephesians chapter 5, this wonderful passage on husbands and wives. And we're going to focus beginning on verse 25 with the husbands here. This is what the Apostle Paul has to say in, in expanding what actually Peter writes. Now, it, this this concept in the church about how the marriage is to a function in Christ is really detailed here by Paul. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let, eat, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. See, this is the text that most people go to when we're teaching this doctrine of the church. But I think there's a lot here that we can compare with Peter and understand a little bit more about the role of the husbands. The second thing here in consideration is that husbands, when they love their wives, it is modeled after the love that Christ has for his church. This is the whole point. When it comes to the husband and the wife together, it is not that we are to fulfill our own selfish needs. We are to actually reflect Christ and his love for the church. And so men, as we love our wives, we love her in the same way that Christ loves the church. And how does Christ love the church? Primarily, he sacrificed himself for us. Men, are we willing to sacrifice ourselves for our wives and our children? What does that mean to sacrifice, men? Honestly, if it came to the point where someone was pointing a gun at your wife or your children and husbands, guess what? How many, I know everyone even here would stand in front of that bullet for your family, wouldn't you? Anything coming against your family, any harm, any persecution against your wife, you stand in between that danger and them. Christ did that for us, didn't he? He did. He loved us enough, even though we did not deserve his love. He sacrificed himself for us so that we would live eternally in heaven with him and be in the presence of God the Father. This idea of husbands sacrificing themselves for their wives and Christ sacrificing himself for the children, this imagery is very similar because the image of the wife has been used in Scripture to reflect the image of the church. Many times, um, in, in, uh, you don't have to turn here, but in John's second epistle, second John chapter one, first verse one, he speaks, he's writing to the elect lady and her children. That elect lady, he's talking about the church. 
The body of the church in scripture has always been referred to with the metaphor of the wife or the lady. And the man is always referred to in that metaphor and that imagery of Christ sacrificing himself for his lady. So, guys, we are called by God to sacrifice ourselves in love for our wives. And this love here in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5 is that agape love, that sacrificial, it's not for me love, it's for her love. Love our wives in the same way that Jesus loves the church. And why do we do this, guys? We do this because in sacrificing ourselves for her, we are doing what is necessary to sanctify her. Guys, our role as husbands is to sanctify our wives. That word sanctify implies to make holy. Our responsibility, men, is to nourish our wives in the ways of holiness before the Lord. Ladies, God has given you a husband for that purpose. He's not there to demean you and to overbear you, but he is there to nourish you and cherish you, but also to sanctify you. Which means, ladies, if there are aspects of your character, aspects of your soul that are out of alignment with the Lord, it is the husband's responsibility to cherish you, to nourish you, but also to do what is necessary to sanctify you. That's our responsibility, men. Now, ponder that weight. The eternal destiny of our wives, according to this text, falls directly on the responsibility of the husband. Now, this does not mean that we are responsible for your salvation. That is between you and Jesus Christ. But our job is to nourish you and love you and bring you to a state of holiness throughout your life. That means, men, and the home, we are the leaders of the home in the spiritual sense because we are to lead our home into the word of God. Men, we are called to teach our wives and to teach our children at home everything that the scriptures call us to teach. One of the most beautiful things that you can do as a family, men, is to sit down at the dining room table with your wife and your children and read scripture daily. It's one of the things that we strive to do in our home. We weren't always perfect. There were days that it just didn't happen. But I made that a priority in our home. You can ask Ronnie. You can ask the boys. You can even ask the boys of the days when they were so frustrated. Oh, we've got to listen to that. Read scripture again. But, man, we do it. Ladies, you may be frustrated. I don't have time right now to sit down and read scripture with you. I've got housework to do. I've got laundry. I've got this. i got that. The children are screaming. We don't have time to sit down and read scripture. But, guys, you stand firm and you say, we as a family are going to sit here at this table and we're going to read scripture together. And I'm going to pour God's word into you because I'm called to by God. Men, do not allow the busyness of life to take that responsibility away from your family. Stand there firmly with your wife and with your children and say, I know we're busy. I know we're stressed. I know we've got a lot to do, but this is important and it'll bless us all and it'll make us better. Read scripture with your family. We're to guide our wives and sanctify her by the word of God. And what happens in verse 26? This word that we sanctify her with cleanses her. Ladies, you like to be cleansed? You like to be clean? I don't know a single wife that doesn't like a clean house, and especially clean children. 
Right? You want your children to be clean. But God has called husbands to sanctify our wives, to cleanse her with the word of God. Just as Jesus Christ cleanses the church with his blood. Verse 27 of Ephesians 5. He says, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Jesus Christ presents the church to himself by making the church clean and pure. Men, we are to do the same with our wives. We are responsible to sanctify her, to to nurture her, so that she is presented to us in a beautiful way of perfection, this beautiful holiness. In verse 28, he drives this point home. We are husbands to imitate Christ in how he cleanses the church. Verse 28, in the same way a husband should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. How does Jesus Christ love the church? He loves the church in charity. He loves the church in sacrifice. He loves the church so that we are holy husbands. We we, we are imitating Christ when we do this. Think about it. This is not a call for men to decide how their family is to be. This is not a call for men to be dictators in their home. You're going to do what I say or else. We guys are imitating Christ in the home. Ladies, you're not called to this in Scripture. Men are called to imitate Christ in the home. Even though Christ is in the wife and Christ is in the home through what the wife does, it is men who are called directly in the word to imitate Christ that act of sacrifice, that act of nurturing, that act of loving as Christ loves the church. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. The first act that men are to do with their wives, first responsibility is in considering them, to consider their needs, which includes considering their need for sanctification and holiness, to love them the way Christ does. The second thing is to love their wives with chivalry. What does it mean to be chivalrous? It means to show honor to the woman. She is a precious vessel. A precious person. Men that God has granted us to be with. Now in verse 7 of First Peter chapter 3. The second part of that verse. Where he says likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. He goes on and says showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Honor. Honoring women. Loving them. Treating them as equals. Treating them as your partner. Treating them as someone who is more precious than anything else. But you show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now ladies what does this mean? Many in the liberal women's movement have taken this text uh, way out of context and used it as a slur against men. We just think of women as too weak and can't, too fragile and they can't do anything. And we just, men are just awful pigs because they think we're weak. But let's just look at reality here, folks. Just look at the differences between men and women. Who are, who are more physically stronger? Men, hopefully we're more physically strong. Now, I've seen some marriages where the man was so weak and puny and he had a big old uh, Amazon woman of a wife. And she was definitely stronger than him. I've seen some uh, marriages like that. Have y'all seen that? That's kind of why we laugh at it because we know it's it's something odd. They still love each other and God has blessed it. But think about this. Generally, men, we are stronger physically than our wives. 
Because we have that physical strength, a lot of times, men, we don't realize our strength. That's not just physical strength with our arms and our body, but the physical strength of even our voice. One of the reasons that God uses men to preach the word is because we have a way of speaking that is very forceful and very and, and it grabs people's attention. Would you agree? So, men, even there, we must be cautious, even how we speak. Ladies, please give us grace, because sometimes when we're speaking, we don't realize how loud we're speaking or perhaps how forcefully we're speaking. There may not be any intentional harm there, but it may come out that way. But guys, we are called by God to be cautious of how we speak. We must treat our wives with respect and honor by being careful how we raise our voice, how we love them. This does not mean, however, that women are intellectually or spiritually weaker. Nowhere in this text does it say that women are intellectually inferior. The idea of the weaker vessel does not mean anything emotional, does not mean anything spiritual. It literally means all physical attributes here. This is why husbands must protect their wives, protect them from physical harm. And also, men, we must also protect our wives from unnecessary emotional stress. Sometimes we just don't need to bring the stuff from work home. We just need to leave it at work. This is one of the reasons men are called to lead the church. Guys, we are called to allow the wolves to bite us before they bite the sheep. We must protect them. We are to be sacrificial providers. Now, I want to just bring out one last point on this aspect of chivalry, and then we're going to move on to the last. Wives, I want you to understand that when your husband is being sacrificially loving towards you, this does not mean that the Christian husband also sacrifices God's call for you. I have counseled many fellow pastors over the years, seminarians that I've gone to school with, other pastors out in the mission field in different places, and every one of us agree that there is somebody that we know who gave up the God, uh, God's call for their lives in ministry because their wives would not sacrifice with them in that calling. If your husband is a sacrificially loving husband as God has called them to be, ladies, if he has called him to ministry, then you sacrifice and you go with your husband in that. Many husbands will take this passage and say, well, my wife won't go with me to, min- to the mission field or my wife uh, needs this or that, so I can't go. God has called me. I know he has, but I need to provide for my wife. And so they never go into ministry. They never go on the mission field. They never do what God has called them to do because they actually place the needs of their wife before God. I would argue that if God has called the man to some form of ministry in the kingdom, then God will provide for them both. If the man is called to provide, ladies, if God has called him into ministry, God's going to provide for that. And that is his act of love for you. Lastly, let's look at this one last point of companionship. Lastly, in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, husbands, speaking about their wives, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. That right there tells us, men, that our wives are our partners. 
Men, we see our wives as partners. We do not see our wives as a hindrance. We must love our wives as if they are joint heirs with us in this grace that Jesus Christ pours out upon us. Christian wives are fellow heirs with their husbands in this kingdom. Men, we see our wives this way. Christian husbands are to be a companion. This idea of the fellow heir implies this companionship between the husband and the wife. We are to be fellow heirs together. We share in this grace that God has poured out upon us. Now, why is this important for Peter to bring out? It's because in the Greco-Roman culture of which Peter is writing to, this Greco-Roman culture where the church was persecuted and scattered, husbands of this culture were genuinely uninterested in their wives as friends. Wives were not considered companions. Wives were considered property. And so the Christian perspective here turned all of this upside down. See, in the Greco-Roman world, wives were to maintain the household and to bear children. That was their role. Women were just objects. So Peter is calling Christians in this atmosphere that you're living, where you have the pagan culture around you, as Christians proclaiming the gospel, husbands, you are to cultivate your wife in the richness of God's grace and not treat her as an object. Now, in doing so, he concludes this verse, man. This is a very important thing for you to underline. This is the point of the whole verse. Christian husbands, if we do not cherish our wives, if we do not cultivate God's gospel in them, if we do not love them as equals, then our prayers will be hindered. Now, nowhere in the scriptures, ladies, does that come to you. So keep praying for your husband, even though he may not be fully matching up to the expectations here. But guys, if we do not match up to what God has called us to do as husbands, our prayers are hindered. That tells us, men, that we have a responsibility that God has placed upon us that is beyond our understanding. Men, we need to be on our knees constantly for our families. We are to be on our knees praying for our wives, praying for our children, praying for this church, praying for this kingdom, praying for, dear God, help me provide for this family that you've given me. And if we do not cherish our wives and cherish our families, when we pray, those prayers will be hindered. But also, if you remember the context of this passage, verses 1 through 7, is in the understanding from chapter 2 that if you are in a situation as a Christian where you are married to a non-believer, Are you praying for their salvation? And so this context here in verse 7 is, Husbands, you may be married to an unbelieving wife. If you are not treating her as a Christian, if you are not treating her as Christ would treat her, and you pray for her salvation, how will she ever know the salvation that Jesus Christ can give her? Because we are responsible for the sanctification and that grace that God pours into her directly. What does this mean? Number one, husbands, Peter's talking pretty harshly to us. Uh, The Apostle Paul does too. We have a responsibility, men. We are to sacrifice for our family. We give up our wants and our needs and our dreams. We do everything we can in our power to provide for them. Jesus Christ in John chapter 14 
See, Jesus promises to answer the prayers of those who believe and do the works of the of what he does. In other words, Jesus in John chapter 14 says, men, if you are praying for the provision for your family, I will grant that as long as you are modeling me. Jesus promises to answer the prayers of those who believe in Christ, but also those who do the works that Jesus does. And so, men, if we are modeling Christ, and we are praying for his assistance and his provision. He's going to provide for our families. He's going to guide us in our responsibilities. Ladies, let me ask you this, to do this for your husbands. Pray for your husbands. They've got a burden that you do not have. Ladies, you have a responsibility in the marriage too, but our husbands if they are godly men, have a responsibility that they are taking things away from you that you do not need to be burdened with. Your husband is burdened with that instead. That is that that deserves respect. If the husband loves his wife, ladies, respect your husband for protecting you and providing for you and guiding you in the word. When those two aspects of a marriage relationship are in harmony together, then the world will see the gospel. This is not a self-help passage of scripture for us. Oh, how do we live as Christians? The problem with much of what's being taught in in contemporary Christian uh, preaching and teaching on marriage and family is that we have turned it into a self-help book. But the bigger picture here from the text is that we are reflecting Christ in our homes. We are we are witnesses to the world in how we conduct our 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 families at home. Because the lost world is looking to us and if our family life at home is not in harmony with the gospel they will never see or hear the gospel. If we are living in a world that is hostile to the gospel, then all the more reason that we must have our home life and our relationships with one another in tune with Jesus Christ. And that's the purpose.